So sometime in Advent, Lynn came to the worship team and says, I have this great idea for a Lenten sermon series. And I know you're thinking, Advent, Lent, how do those go together? But that's actually how we plan. We plan a number of seasons in advance so that we can keep things going. And so his idea was that he would ask all of you in his last months here to suggest topics or scripture passages or things that you wanted him to preach on. And so starting with December 24th, Christmas Eve, he started asking people to submit things to him online. And a number of you did, and we took those and looked at them and combined some of them and figured out a schedule. And then he turned to me and said, oh, Lisa, by the way, you'll be preaching two of those Sundays. (laughs) So... This is number one, and it's the Trinity. And I think he gave me the only one that's actually not in the Bible. The word, the Trinity, doesn't appear anywhere. It's actually a later term that was developed around the end of the fourth century. And I imagine the conversations around forming that word were pretty intense, kind of like the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus here in this passage. They were struggling over one Greek word, anothen. And Nicodemus was saying, uh, Jesus, I don't understand. How can you be born anothen? And Jesus said, yeah, you need to be born anothen to see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus replied again and said, anothen. But how can a person be born anothen? How can a person climb back into their mother's womb and be born anothen? And Jesus said, yeah, you, you need to be born a no-thin before you can see the kingdom of God. They're just talking at cross purposes. Same Greek word, but different meanings. Nicodemus was taking a very literal meaning, born again from a mother. And Jesus was saying, born from above, a spiritual rebirth into new life. But they just couldn't seem to see eye to eye. And I imagine that the group of, of men that would have been religious men, at the councils in the early centuries, as they had these discussions, were often talking at each other. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No, no, God is Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. No, God is revealed in Jesus Christ, the Son, through the Holy Spirit. No, God is three and one and one and three. Or, like my sermon title, this very great math equation that you might want to shield from your children's eyes, one plus one plus one equals one. I imagine these conversations got really intense. A few weeks ago, some of you know that I was interviewed by the Board of Ordained Ministry, my last interview before ordination. And I had to bone up on topics for two years, (laughs) theology, vocation, and worship, I had a group of classmates that we worked together for two years. And sometime last fall, I started to get serious, and I had to write this series of papers on theological topics. And then in January, I started to get really serious, and I started to actually study for the interviews and try and absorb all this material. And one of the topics that I had to work on was the Trinity. I had to be able to explain the Trinity. And I worked hard and prepared My goal was to walk into that interview over-prepared so that I felt confident. And 
I could tell you what John Wesley had to say about the Trinity. I could discuss the economic Trinity. Bet you didn't know about that one. I could discuss what perichoresis and the Trinity had to do with one another. Homoousios versus homoousios. I was ready. So I went into my theological interview, and they asked a few easy questions to warm me up. And then they said, okay, Lisa, we'd like you to explain the Trinity to us. And I thought, I'm home free. I've got this. And then the the person who asked the question said, but, (laughs) but we want you to explain it without using any theological terms. Pretend you're talking to somebody who doesn't have a background in religion. So now what? (laughs) I wasn't ready for that. But fortunately, I think that my Sunday school teacher went to the same school that Sam's Sunday school teacher went to. She didn't use the apple metaphor. She used aquafresh toothpaste. (laughs) And if you remember, I think when it came out, aquafresh was the first one to have three colors. Now a lot of them do. But I think they were among the first. And my teacher said, you know, you have three colors because one of them is is going to clean your teeth, whiten your teeth. One is going to protect your teeth, and the other is going to strengthen your teeth. But they're all toothpaste, and that's the trinity. It's going to create creator, redeemer, sustainer, but they're all God. I like Sam's example better because you're using an apple, which is part of creation. But that was what I got. So fortunately, the board seemed to like that, and I got through. (laughs) But I will say, when I was studying and preparing... I came up on this quote by C.S. Lewis about the Trinity, and I I really loved it, and it stuck with me, but I wasn't quite sure how to work it in, but it fits beautifully with this sermon, and I want to share it with you today. It's from C.S. Lewis's book, Mare Christianity, and he writes this, all sorts of people are fond of repeating the Christian statement that God is love, but they seem not to notice that the words God is love have no real meaning unless God contains at least two persons. Love is something that one person has for another person. I don't know, I know some of you well enough to know you share that yearning to study something. You come up with a question and you're going to research it, you're going to Google it, you're going to study it until you have an answer. But I looked at this quote from C.S. Lewis about the Trinity, and it was like he was saying, don't try to understand this. Don't try to know this. It's a feeling. It's not from up here. It's from here. This is where you have a relationship with the Trinity. A few of us this week went to see the movie The Shack. How many of you read the book when it came out? Good number. Has anybody seen the movie? I have a few plants out there. A few of you. All right. Um, I do recommend it. (laughs) That's the end of my commercial. As of May 2010, the shack had sold over 10 million copies. It was on the New York Times bestseller list at the number one spot for 70 weeks in a row. It was published in English, Spanish, German, and Croatian. This is a Christian fiction book. I don't think any other Christian fiction book has achieved that kind of status. There were people reading it and being introduced to God and the Trinity for the first time in their lives. 
it had the potential to reach, and I think did reach, a huge number of people. And yet, the book has a really unorthodox depiction of the Trinity. And there were a number of religious leaders who called the book unorthodox, heretical, and dangerous. And I'll say I struggled with some of the theology in the book itself. And a lot of that I thought was cleaned up in the movie. So if you're choosing, go to the movie, not the book. But most of this concern was on the depiction of the Trinity. You see, there's this this man in the book. He's the main character named Mac. And he has a horrible childhood, an abusive, alcoholic father. And their relationship is completely dysfunctional. And later in his life, his family experiences a tragedy that is is heartbreaking. It is horrible. And the story is Mac trying to deal with God and this horrible tragedy that's occurred. But for, for Mac, because his relationship with his father was so dysfunctional, there was no way for him to draw close to a God who was a father figure. So in this book, God comes to Mac like this as the Trinity. Mac is the third one from the left. To his, the second person of the Trinity (laughs) to his right is God. The farthest person on the left is the Holy Spirit. And the gentleman to his left, your far, is that right? Your far right, thank you, is Jesus. Very unorthodox depiction of the Trinity. But I think it was the only way for Mac to draw close to God. How amazing is it to think that the Trinity can come to you in the exact form that you need it. That that's how close and yearning for a relationship God is with us. I'm going to play you the trailer of the movie now and give you a little bit more of a glimpse of this relationship. Car leaves in 20 seconds. We gotta go. Let's go. Do you think the princess should have a red dress like mine? Red it is. Where's the seat? Missy! Where's Missy? Sorry, Mac, they haven't seen her. I didn't know what to do. Possible suspect sighting. Ground teams found the truck in the mountains. I'm really sorry, Mr. Phillips. <laughs> you want some help over there? I'm okay. I'll have some dinner tonight. Maybe next time. showed up in my mailbox with no tracks in the snow you're not thinking about going back there are you i gotta do something you know this isn't a good idea it's crazy but this is all i got got a fire going inside if you want to warm up mackenzie allen phillips i've been looking forward to this do i know you not very well but we can work on that He's still having a hard time believing this is real. Why did you bring me here? 
There's no easy answer that'll take your pain away. Where were you when I needed you? I never left you. I never left this. Ain't it just like a tear to go and blow? You want me to forgive him? I want him to hurt like he hurt me. You want the promise of a pain-free life? Yeah. There isn't one. You can do this. I can't. Not on your own, you can't. This is your flying lesson. As I said, this story has a very, very tragic side. But the side that had me reaching for my tissues wasn't the tragedy. It was the love story. The love story between Mac and God. It's an incredible story. I do recommend you see it. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And there's just one more scene I want to share with you. In this scene, Mac is asking where God was when tragedy happens. I'm not who you think I am. He said it himself. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? No, Mac. You misunderstand the mystery. What my son chose to do didn't cost us both dearly. Love always leaves a mark. We were there together. I never left and I never left you. I never left Miss. I love that line, love always leaves a mark. Mac and Nicodemus have a lot in common. This whole movie follows Mac's developing relationship with God. And in the Gospel of John, Nicodemus appears a bunch of times, and we see his relationship growing with God just as he develops a relationship through Jesus Christ. It's funny, that first, this passage that we have today, though, it's, it's the first encounter they have, and they're wrestling over their relationship, and they're not understanding each other, and you sort of see Jesus get kind of frustrated, like he's, he can't quite get the words out so that Nicodemus understands them. So he reverts, he changes, he's like, I'm not going to explain this in words, I'm not going to explain this conceptually to you. And so he's, he tries with feelings instead. And he says, God so loved the world, we love this verse, that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but will have eternal life. He said, God so loved the world. God didn't explain the world. God didn't think about the world or understand the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world, and love always leaves a mark. Amen.